Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Fortales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at vigorbranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Fortales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Hey everyone, today I am joined by Jen Kern. She has a couple titles. Uh, she is a Chief Marketing Officer at Q, an up-and-coming uh, point-of-sale system for the restaurant industry. And she's also the host of Restaurants Reinvented, a podcast by a marketer for marketers. Um, Jen, why don't you say hello, give a little bit of backstory. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joseph, thank you so much, first of all, for having me. As you know, I'm also a passionate podcaster. So (laughs) any invitation to be on a podcast, I'm like, sure, I love it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so as you said, you know, I'm, I'm a marketer. I'm a lifetime marketer. I, you know, believe I was born to be a marketer. Honestly, I love marketing. And, you know, Two and a half years ago, I had the great opportunity to come work for Q. It was my first entree into the hospitality industry as a marketer. And I am just so thrilled and passionate about restaurants and the space and the digital transformation that's going on right now in restaurants. And so it was definitely the right time, right place. And I am just thrilled about it. And so, yeah, we have a lot of cool stuff we're doing at Q. Um, Myself, um, as a marketer, believe that now is the time when restaurant marketers and marketing as a concept, marketing and branding is so ripe for anyone in restaurants to take advantage of, learn about modern marketing and what that can mean for their business. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. Um, yeah. There just seems to be a lot of old hat thinking out there. 100%. Uh, you know, pay $5,000 for an ad in a magazine and they will come, <laughs> slash yeah. not at all. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and the expectations. But so, yeah. so Q is really interesting to me. And I think that mm-hmm. was um, the, the main reason for reaching out to you. Mm-hmm. And like we were talking about before the show, I got to meet Nico, the, mm-hmm. the, the founder slash CEO, right, of, uh, Q, of Q? Uh, he's head of our business development. Head of business development. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And he's a great person as well uh, to just, uh, you know, discuss things with and great insights. Mm But what interested me about Q is it's relatively new and it's Mm -hmm. in a world where there are really strong Goliaths out there, whether you're talking about an NCR uh, Oracle yeah. uh, or something like Toast that is really hot right now as well, yeah. pun intended, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what What was it about Q? How, how is it different? And um, what do you think makes Q stand apart from that herd? Yeah, well, it's a lot of things. Um, like you said, it's it's a legacy industry. I mean, the cash register came in, cash register came into the industry over a hundred years ago with NCR, right? Mm-hmm. And that stayed intact for a very long time. And so, what happened, I believe, is you know, technology really lags behind because it was mostly an on-premise in-store experience. That was what really mattered. As digital and technology started gaining a lot of momentum, restaurants really weren't forced to adopt that quickly. Um, now it's like much more on, you know, higher up on the radar 
right? Mm-hmm. Ever since COVID. Um, what makes Q, I think, unique is that we really built our entire platform for the modern era, for digital transformation, for forward-thinking operators that don't want to be technologists themselves, but understand the value and the importance of the technology platform and the infrastructure working for them. So you look at the Goliaths, like you talked about, like NCR, Micros, um, you know, you mentioned Toast, which I consider not a legacy, a, a more modern platform, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but the NCR and the Loha, what they've done is they bolted all the digital on to the register, if you will. If it's just the most basic way to think about it. They've bolted it all on, and it's effectively the leaning tower of Pisa. Mm-hmm. It's legacy code. It's dated code. And they've bolted on the cloud. They say they have, you know, an API first approach, but it's truly not. There are so many breakpoints when you build when you start with a legacy product and build modern stuff on top of it. So the biggest differentiator really comes down to Q was built as a digital first POS. We now say we're a unified commerce platform because our tagline is beyond POS. We want to get beyond the dated thinking and structures of when point of sale came to being. Because if you think mm-hmm. of point of sale, it was a point in the store for making a sale. Mm-hmm. That point is now dozens of points. It resides in your guest's hands. It's on their laptop. It's going to be voice soon. How your guests are ordering is going to continue to change. And digital is going to continue to be more and more of that experience. Yeah, couldn't send it better myself. And, and we experienced that uh, at Vigor through some of the projects that we've worked on. We've mm-hmm. tried to engage in, in, in integrations you have salespeople who have no qualms about selling the idea of integration and mm-hmm. alluding to how easy it is with their system. And then when you get in there, you're like, this is a rat's nest. Right. This is horrible. Yep. Um, and, and I, you know, I always say that most developers and system engineers will say that about someone else's code. Oh, it's yeah. dirty. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. but in this regard. I mean, we saw it. So there, there's a, um, a system out there. It's not a point of sale, quote unquote system. Uh-huh. It's a, a loyalty system. And I'll, I'll leave their name out of it because I don't want to cast too sure. big of a boulder at them. Yeah. We worked with them for two years trying to integrate uh, a proprietary POS system mm-hmm. um, with their CRM system. Mm-hmm. Two years. And there mm-hmm. was a lot of grenades being thrown over uh, the fence at each other. And, um, you know, I'm racking my mind as to where we're going wrong because I've worked with really, you know, really big integration projects before. Mm-hmm. So we put it on pause for mm-hmm. about six months, mm-hmm. finished the online ordering portion, which is what we were building out uh, on, a, mm-hmm. on a, the dot com, quote unquote, dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we circled back with them. Mm-hmm. And when we circled back, things had shifted. Uh, there was one person that was still there that we had worked with. Uh, salespeople were on the call and we explained the scenario, what we were trying to do. And the main sales guy said, we don't do that. Wow. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? They're like, <laughs> we would never open our API to a third party system. Wow. And I was like, but you did open it to us. He's like, that must've been the problem then. Wow. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I mean, I about <laughs> tossed a table. So integration <laughs> is, you know, such a hot, button item right now because yeah. you have all these systems like if we if we uh just divide it up into categories you have mm-hmm. pos you have marketing you have crm yeah. you have yeah. digital menu boards you have yes. drive-through menu boards maybe yeah uh, you have handheld uh, ordering if you're a full service restaurant yeah and, and yet it just seems like so many systems say they talk to each other but they don't 
really talk to each other. So right. how, how has that journey been in building and launching Q and ensuring that when you say this is a thing that integrates that it actually is? Yeah. Well, first of all, we were built and created expressly to service what we call the enterprise restaurant industry, which is fast casuals and QSRs only over 25 locations. Now we'll go down to, you know, 15 or 20 if it's an extremely modern, fast growing organization. But the complexity involved in those large multi-unit chains is enormous. Mm -hmm. And so they have, talking about the tech stack you're talking about, they have hundreds of systems. You have to be API forward in that to service the enterprise restaurant industry. In fact, you mentioned Toast. They recently pulled out of enterprise. It's too hard. Mm. (laughs) It's very, very difficult because of the amount of systems and the integrations and the complexity of it. It's, it's, you know, it's a lot. So the way we build our platform, it is truly a microservices containerized API first approach. And if, if that doesn't make sense to people listening, it, an API agnostic or API first approach effectively means the APIs are not built to work with one system. They're built from the ground up to work with any system. Now, yes, you have to go in and and make the adjustments when you're actually integrating with specific systems, but they're natively modern and built to be very easy to integrate. So we can integrate really quickly with just about any system. And we believe that restaurant operators need to have choice. They need to have choice in their payment providers, particularly. They need to have choice with who they want to work with back of house. They need to have choice. And so you need to give them that API approach that allows them to integrate with whoever they need to integrate with to run an effective business. So they're not thinking about their technology. They're thinking about their food and making that great experience for their guests. And so there's a lot more that goes into it. I mean, I can, t- I can talk about it a little bit more. I, 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 I talk a bit of a technical game. I'm not technical, <laughs> but, um, you know, there's, there's more that goes into it. That's, that's really important for, for the operators to make their business run smoothly. And, you know, I can give the example of delivery and third party delivery mm-hmm. partners, right? So our APIs are native and bi-directional with third-party delivery partners. So wait, let, let's pause one second. So I want to break it down just a little, yeah. like one step further okay. for those that really, really don't know. So API okay. stands for Application Programming Interface, okay. which doesn't make it any clearer. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and what it basically is, is when you're building a new piece of software that's API forward, mm-hmm. you're essentially building that software with the intent that other systems will be able to speak and in- integrate and, and just basically engage mm-hmm. with that software and create a two-way conversation. Right. And so what an API effectively is, is um, a series of commands and essentially a language that says, if you want to speak to me, these are the words to use. Um, if I'm really dumbing it down to a basic, basic level. Right. And so to be API forward means that you've built it knowing that you have to have that language that other places will um, be able to speak to you uh, from or with, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're not API forward, what ends up happening is you build a system, you get it all working, and, and you're you know self high fiving because it's so wonderful. And then I guess we'll make some things that people can rope into, um, and so you end up adding an API. Well, the problem with that is there are so many places where that language can break down, where things aren't going to work, that it becomes an absolute uh, mess. It becomes a dog. Right. And so building API forward means that you are essentially conversational 
mm-hmm. from the very beginning. And that's a very different approach and a very strong approach. Um, yeah. So when we talk about the third-party delivery services in queue, let, let's unpack how the API works there. Yeah. So just to give a metaphor for listeners, one metaphor I've heard of is if you think of Grand Central Station and all the trains coming in and out and the APIs being at the hub and being able to connect those trains so they can flow through, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. forward and backward and forward and backward, but not stop and have to get off and go to another train. So why is that important? There's data and there's manual processes. Restaurant operators today have no business pulling data manually and putting it into other systems. They should not have to do that. The data is flowing back and forth between all the systems. That's why that connection point with APIs is so important that you just described and you, you defined it really well. And I do understand, like, again, I don't believe that restaurant operators should have to understand everything about an API. That's what the tech company should be helping them do. But because they've never really had to be really using a lot of technology and smart with technology, a lot of them just don't know. So a lot of what we do here is try to educate and inform <laughs> Right. But there's a lot of, you know, misinformation out. There's a lot of fake mm-hmm. news coming from other POS systems. So, yeah, you got to be careful. But, um, you know, so so again, like the example of why did APIs become important for restaurants? Well, it was it was the integration of back of house and front of house. So when more channels for ordering started becoming more popular and off premise, all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, wait a minute. I don't want to have to be doing all these manual processes between front and back. And then delivery comes on the scene, right? How many mm-hmm. years ago that was? You've got third-party delivery, and you can't have a single menu anymore. That single menu management platform is one of the core foundational building blocks of our platform. So you don't need to go in and into four different systems to change the price of one item. So when I started you know, down this path of the native bi-directional integrations with Uber Eats, DoorDash, you know, you name them all, all the third-party delivery providers. The reason that's important is, A, for the data. You can share the data. Why is that important? Because you want to talk directly to the guests. We've mm-hmm. not done that in that in- this industry yet. Right. It's not, it's not being done. We can't do it, and it's because we don't have – restaurant operators don't have the data. Right. It's all in different systems siloed. Um, and then the second reason that is important is because the process becomes fluid. It's a fluid process, no matter if they're ordering off of third-party delivery, in the store, on the online ordering website. It's all funneling back to one menu system where you can change the price. I want my hamburger on Uber Eats to be $8. I want it in-store to be $6. I want it online, you know, online ordering to be $5. With Q, you make those changes all in one place one time. Yep. And when, and when you have this data collection, especially when things are effectively integrated, not just um, mm-hmm. not just connected, but integrated, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, mm-hmm. then this opens up the door for another buzzword, but it is very important, which is machine learning. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when when you're collecting all the data, the next step becomes how do you parse it, how do you disseminate it, and how do you learn from it? And I think that's a, a big opportunity that is. It's well, we're, it's kind of right up on us right now, but we still haven't cracked it uh, from the technology standpoint. But you know, I want my machine to tell me, hey, you know, your your hamburger, like you said, is six dollars here, eight dollars here, nine dollars here. You're losing money on this platform. Yeah. Um, if you up it by fifty cents, you will see X amount profitability. Um, and concurrently, you could actually 
decrease the price over here a little bit and see more quantity, which will then result in X amount more sales. Things like that, which start to get very heady and very scary for a startup restaurant here. But mm -hmm. at the same time, imagine a world where that kind of information is coming to you on a weekly basis where you can make shifts and then be informed to make business decisions as opposed to going with your gut, which is essentially how we've been doing things in the restaurant industry forever. Yes. Um, yes. And it's quite beautiful. So one, one place where I've seen data mm -hmm. really work in a firsthand mm -hmm. account uh, is serendipitously a shared client. And this is not how we met, but when mm -hmm. I was doing a little research, I'm like, Oh my God, you work with EGs. Mm -hmm. um, so we worked with EGs for a little over like around two years, starting with their rebrand. And then we got into their ongoing marketing and part of the ongoing marketing and rebrand sort of hybrid work was uh, menu engineering and menu redesign specifically ah. starting with their drive through. Okay. And so interesting. Yeah. And so when we were collecting the data, uh -huh. We really only had data from their POS, which I believe, I'm not sure if it was Q at that time or if they're no. a recent client. No, they're brand new. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. So I was excited to see it, but mm -hmm. I had my suspicions that you weren't there yet yeah. because <laughs> the data that we got was very basic spreadsheet. We had to crunch a lot of numbers ourselves with a very complex spreadsheet that wow. somehow a designer, that's me, uh, <laughs> I started as a designer, somehow I created uh, to identify <laughs> the winners yeah. and losers, to find out which mm -hmm. ones are profitable versus this, that, and the other. Right. I, I can't imagine how brilliant it is to be able to look at the data from Q and make those same decisions. 100%. Um, Ultimately, we were very successful in the redesign. We saw an increase of 17% uh, same-store sales in the areas that we tested the new menu designs. Wow. Um, but I, you know, I imagine a world for EGs where those menus become fully digital right. um, and then fully controllable from the queue system, like you said. So I can right. change the price. It shifts. And then right. how do we design against that? Um, right. So you mentioned... Fast casuals and QSRs are the sweet spot for Q. Yes. What about ghost and virtual kitchen brands? Well, I'm so glad you asked because yeah. we actually uh, built a uh, a product specifically for ghost kitchens and virtual brands during the pandemic. It's using all the knowledge and you know infrastructure and data of our basic platform. It is our basic platform, mm -hmm. um, but it's one tablet that's you know in your ghost kitchen. That again can funnel all the orders from all the delivery people um, in and out seamlessly, one place, um, and you can manage it one place in the back end as well. So it's using all the same core foundation and processes of our platform, and is is great for ghost kitchens. When we've been able to, you know, our first um, customer to purchase it was um, a new virtual brand called Stir Fry Chef. That was launched by Gagnus Girl, which is also known, you know, by and owned by Mongolian Concepts. And they said, oh, my gosh, you know, we need to get more revenue in. And we have all the existing product. And their CMO, Doug Wilmarth, came up with this idea to launch this virtual brand. It's brilliant. And we were able, from the time we had our first conversation with him until we launched it at 36 of their locations, it was less than eight weeks. Oh, wow. So that's what a modern platform does for you. Speed. We talk about speed, agility, and innovation. That's what we want to give restaurateurs. New opportunities come to the market. You want to launch a virtual brand? You just want to test it? you got to be fast, and you got to right. be efficient, and it's got to be cost-effective, right? So we're pretty excited about that product. Um, we're seeing a lot of, you know, great t trends, you know, like 
like this space, there's a lot of competition, mm-hmm. um, but it's a very efficient solution. You know, one of the things that we talk about with, with that happened with the restaurants, with the, with the delivery providers is that buzzword <laughs> tablet farms, you know, you right. walk in and there's 18 tablets and you want to launch a ghost kitchen. You need another tablet. <laughs> you know? yep. It's yep. like, no, 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 no. You don't need the middleware. You don't need those companies. I won't mention them because we integrate with them that came up as the in-between layer between the delivery and the POS. You just need one system that's got that API first and API forward approach. So um, I I personally love the ghost kitchen and virtual brand things that comes on marketer. So right. all of a sudden this has helped marketers get more in front of the operations to elevate their role strategically within these large restaurant organizations with creativity and new ideation around branding. I mean, you look at companies like, you know, Doghouse, which launched, I think, seven virtual brands in like a couple months, right? It's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I particularly am bullish on the virtual brands in the cloud kitchens because it really gives marketing a seat at the table where in this industry, marketers have not had a seat at the table. And, you know, many of the people I have on my podcast will tell me, yeah, when I got here, marketing was viewed as uh, the arts and crafts department, Yeah, <laughs> you know, <yeah. laughs> and that is not the way forward. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, you're, you're tapping into my heart because yeah. <laughs> when, when we in there, we're almost like, um, the opposite side where mm-hmm. operations doesn't want to be a part of the meetings and we, we demand it. Yeah. We're like, no, 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 no. I was like, this is a concerted yeah. effort. We are all a part of the same herd charging ahead. Yeah. If you're not here, there's no way that we can be effective and there's no way that you can be truly effective with what we want to do together. Right. Um, and I think the more that organizations embrace that um, cohesive leadership approach, the, the better they're going to be. And you, you see it. That's like one of the secret sauce uh, ingredients for most successful brands out there is, yeah. you know, everybody, like we're all in marketing and we're all in operations, you know, just because one person that's their core focus doesn't mean we shouldn't be having the discussions. And when you do what we, what I have found, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have experiences as well is one, it's easier to get buy-in on any campaigns we want to do. It's easier to develop really awesome ideas for something that operations is excited about. Yeah. And then the list goes on of all the, all the other benefits. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's been the, one of the number one themes and goals. It's a pain point, but it's also a big priority and goal for the marketers I have on the call is to break down those silos. And I have CEOs on that come on my podcast as well, mm-hmm. podcast, um, as they talk about the silos between IT, ops, marketing, and then franchisees, if those exist. Right. right? And those silos, in order to be efficient and successful and drive revenue, they've got to be broken down within these large chains. They've got to be broken down. And, and what, why we you know, are so excited about our system, and we just went through a rebrand here. I just led a rebrand at Q, and we rebranded around healthier connections, driving more relevant and healthier connections. And yes, it starts with the guest, obviously, the food and, and the brand and the guest. Mm-hmm. But then it's like the internal teams. Driving healthier connections between IT ops and marketing, driving healthier connections with your franchisees, and then driving healthier connections with your tech stack. Right. right. And and that gets to the, you know, we don't mean healthy like you're you're eating the right food. We mean like more relevant, meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. So when IT ops and marketing are working off of one system with one data set, they can create goals and shared ideas around that. Right? I love that. That's yeah. a good way of thinking of it. Um, yeah. So when when 
when you launched, let's talk about restaurants reinvented a little bit. That's the okay. Uh, podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, now you're going to be really excited. <laughs> no, <know>, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did you launch that because of Q or did you launch that before joining the Q team? Tell, tell me a little bit of the origin no, story there. No, no. I um, So I had, as I briefly mentioned, I had been in B2B tech SaaS marketing as a head of marketer for the better part of the last 10 years. And it's, uh, it's a very churn and burn transactional sales SaaS, right? Mm-hmm. Tech SaaS. And I got kind of burned out, honestly, with just like lead gen, demand gen. And I'm a brand-led, thought leadership-led, person, human-led marketer. Mm-hmm, <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. And so when I had the opportunity to switch industries and come to the hospitality industry, I was like, oh, this is going to be great because I'm going to get to, tr- you know, 80% of my budget here was in events and shows and conferences when oh, well, I started. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this will be sort of like maybe like a pre-retirement <laughs> sort of job. Like I want to travel. I'll get out. I can talk to people more, just not right. sit and look at, speaking of data, data, sit and look at data and numbers all day. And um, that's exactly what I found is this lovely industry where people care about people. And it's about food and enjoyable times together, right? And going to all these shows and conferences. My first year here, I went to 15 events. I got out. I really just was like a sponge learning the industry. And and because I had been through digital transformation and all these other industries from, you know, the early 2000s, I saw it was coming here, even pre-COVID. And Q saw it was coming, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's how we were built, pre-COVID to do all this stuff. By the way... We're not like, oh, API first cloud, blah, 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 because of COVID. No, we were like that before. So fast forward, COVID hits in, you know, whatever, March 2020. And my entire plan, strategy, budget, everything out the window, just like everyone, right? Right. And I'm sitting around going, how can I, you know, add value right now to an industry I see really struggling and suffering because our customers couldn't like legit couldn't pay us, you know? And, and then me all of a sudden being a little bit concerned, like about our company, like, wow, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? No one knew what was going to happen to restaurants. I mean, it was day by day by day. So I'm a mind, I'm a big geek about mindfulness and meditation and being present in consciousness. The, The current book I'm reading that has me super stoked is Eckhart Tolle, which is the power of now. Mm-hmm. And so I was still like a lot of us forced to be still stuck in our houses thinking, how can I help these people? How can I add value? What can I, this silly little marketer <laughs> do, you know, that's from a tech company, by the way, you don't want to be like <laughs> selling tech right now to companies, you know? Right, right. So we did what everyone else did. We gave away free, you know, for, for six months or so we gave away free. But I realized that my experience 20 plus years working as a tech marketer, being afforded a seat at the table as a strategic thought leader in the company could potentially help these other companies, not only by launching a podcast about marketing and branding that would give these marketers a platform, a free platform to come sell their company and sell their brand at a time when any business was good business, right? And I saw that technology had, because technology lagged behind in this industry, like like I said, marketing has lagged behind in this industry. They were, a lot of them were not seen as strategic value added people within their companies. And we're getting there. We're definitely Mm -hmm. getting there. But giving them a platform to do personal branding for their own self, 
for their brand first, for their own self, and then us to have really thought leadership, strategic conversations about how to move the needle for their business. How do you do that? I don't talk about tech and keel in my podcast. I talk about how do you move your business forward? It was A, first through the pandemic, and now it's through digital transformation. What are you doing? Share your stories with other marketers. And out of it came this community of people that had never been asked to do come talk and be on a podcast. And they're now all in this great network, which is so lovely and wonderful. And so I felt like a little bit of like, it was a little bit of giving back, a little bit of giving a platform. But one thing I miss mentioning is going to all those 15 shows that first year I was here in less than nine months, I didn't see CMOs on stage talking. I didn't see heads of marketers talking strategically. I heard tactical, tactical firefighting coming from any marketer that I was able to talk to. Oh my God, how are we going to integrate delivery? Oh my God, how are we going to get the data? Oh my God, yeah. Mm -hmm. All for the right reasons, by the way. I'm not saying that's terrible, but I'm just saying I didn't see the leadership coming from marketing people at any of the shows. And I went to some marketing shows too, by the way. Yeah. Um, All tactical. So I wanted to elevate that conversation and help them position themselves strategically, thought leaders. Sorry, I love that. Go ahead, see? <laughs> no, no, no. I think that that's very eloquent and beautiful, and yeah. uh, I can't agree with it more. Um, what's interesting is I, I feel like because a lot of this industry is still rooted in that industrial era thinking. Yeah. Um, I, I don't mean that because it's. I mean, it sounds more archaic than it really is. But when I say industrial era thinking, it was I have a widget. This widget is different. Let's talk about the yeah. widget. Uh, and yeah. the widget. It, we're just yeah. We're just so <laughs> I mean, past widget. <laughs> yeah, I don't like widgets. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's so interesting because, you know, when you talk to um, leaders that have that mentality, it's like, no, our hamburger's the best. And yeah. I'm like, of course you think that. And what yeah. I always say to them is, I bet you think your kids aren't ugly. Yeah. And, you know, and it's it's meant to be jolting and rude because it's yeah. like, it's your hamburger. But yeah. by saying your hamburger is the best, you are in effect saying to anyone who hasn't tried it yet that their favorite hamburger isn't good enough. And that's not a very good approach mm. at all, you know. Yeah. And if anyone that thinks differently, go ahead and tell your significant other they're wrong, and just see see how how that goes for yeah. you. Yeah, um, And I've said that before, but I can't reinforce it enough. Mm. Um, and so, yes, tactics matter, yeah. but the purpose driving it, the the messaging driving yeah. through those tactics, are what matters more. And why don't we see more of that conversation? Yes. Um, secondly, it's interesting from that same mentality that industrial era thinking is I don't want my CMO to have a name in the industry because that means that he's or she is self-serving and will go beyond and leave me and and Mm. it gets very bad and I've seen Hmm. that too a little bit of not wanting the CMO to have a a forward face. So I, I think of, uh, that's you nuts. know, <laughs> folks like Paul Macaluso, for instance, he's, yes. has a very big name and it's just, he's out there all the time. To me, I'm like, that's brilliant. And it's the company's job to make sure that he is, um, supported and empowered and not, not always catering to his needs, but, uh, challenging him in the right ways. That way he stays. You know, but if you're with a company that um, is almost like the domineering, uh, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend, they're going to leave. And it's not because they were on a podcast. It's because that you didn't provide a place for them to thrive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Paul, you know, he was a recent guest on my show as well. Yeah, he's great. He was a marketer. And this is the trend 
in many organizations, and it has been for the last decade, where you see, just like you see CIOs, CTOs, CFOs, whatever, becoming CEOs, you, CMOs are are more and more becoming CEOs, like Paul did. Yep. And you know, if if you're a strong marketer, you have left and right brain. You understand that you have to understand the data, but you also can never compromise the creativity and the right. brand. And you were getting to that a little bit, like. Instead of selling the widget, the hamburger, why my hamburger is better than yours, it's the Simon Sinek, which you are very familiar with. Your listeners might not, but Simon Sinek, start with why. Why should people give a hoot about your hamburger versus the next guy's hamburger? Give them a reason for coming. And I saw that, you know, on your site, you talk about like people don't just come for the food, they come for the experience. Or you actually say they don't come for the food. I, you know, I say, I say they don't buy food. They buy experiences. They buy experience. And I got to tell you, the experience is pretty yucky in a lot of places. I am a passionate, fast, casual eater. Mm -hmm. I go all the time to Sweetgreen, Cava, Chopped, Chipotle, you know, for QSR is not as much, but Chick-fil-A. Like, I mean, I'm there all the time. And I go to the ones I mentioned, the aforementioned ones, because I like the food. I'm a bull. I'm a healthy. I'm a that person, right? The experience is often not great. Very, very often. You have yeah. people working there that just don't care. And labor is a big issue and it's it's very hard and I don't want to get into it. But I do believe that the experience has suffered significantly. And that's because people don't start with why. Yeah. Why are you in business? It's got to be a reason besides to make money. If you're just in business to make money, Lord help you, you know, right? right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah. and when, when given the opportunity to, you know, so I, I love that the saying on our, um, the, like on our, on our homepage of the website yeah. that yeah. people don't buy food, they buy experiences because it, there are people that want to challenge that. And of course yeah. say you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and um, that's what I want. I want the conversation. Cause what I'll say next is by all means, the food matters. Yeah. But if you take that sweet green salad and you put it in a rotten, dirty restaurant, I guarantee you it doesn't taste the same. You know, because our psyche and our perceptions uh, of our senses do drive the flavor and the expectation of the food we're eating, right. and and you can kind of see it vice versa when you um, when you get let's say a bowl of Thai food at what feels like a mom and pop, you know, so it's just not it's not very thought out, it's not very well designed. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that think that tastes better than going to. A, uh, a multi-unit that is very refined looking. It yeah. almost feels fake. It can be the same exact recipe. It yeah. just tastes different. And that's what we really dig into. Yeah. And your why, your purpose, it's beyond the, the capital gains and the financial opportunities. It's right. beyond the best ingredients, um, better greetings, better pizza, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's beyond all of that. And it's something bigger. And I think that's yeah. also the key to attracting and retaining top talent. And that's, it's missed. And that's why HR should have a seat at the branding table. Yes. To understand that we're not just offering money, signing bonuses, vacation, paid uh, benefits, yada, yada. It's not just that. If you can explain to your potential hires, the impact that they're going to have on the organization through the lens of a purpose, that is what really is attracting people. And of course, Stability, you know, I think that's the biggest thing that is the biggest fear for talent right now is the uh, perceived instability of the industry. 
uh, yeah. because of the last year. But yeah, um, yeah, and because of the lack of why, honestly, like yeah. Look at Chick-fil-A. I mean, every, everyone talks about them, but you, you got to talk about them. Look at yeah. what they've done. My pleasure. Revenue and growth-wise being closed on Sunday. But look at what they've done by m- some of the things you've just mentioned. Like, yeah. who knows if their chicken is any better than any of the other QSRs, chicken and whatnot, if it's fresh and whatnot. But you go there, the place is clean. They are lovely, lovely people to talk every to time. at the register. Every single one of them. Yep. They make you feel special. I mean, even if I'm running in, you know, they, this whole, you know, through COVID, everyone's like, it's about speed. It's about simplicity. It's about, um, you know, convenience. Yes, it's about all those things. But if I'm in a hurry, I still want to see someone smiling at me when I'm giving them money. Right. <laughs> you know? When you're conducting the transaction, of yeah, course. Yeah, I still see people smiling at me and I'm a people person. I even like, I don't even talk to them, you know, if they don't want to talk fine, not a big deal, but don't be rude. Right. And that that seems like such a good adage, right? (laughs) Yeah. It comes down to the brand and the training and the HR, you know, absolutely, And, and the company ethos and, and the restaurant actually understanding and embracing the benefits of value of all those things. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy to me that when people don't quite get that connectivity. Um, and so recently, you know, you mentioned the, uh, closed on Sundays thing. I always had a soft spot for this brand called taco deli out of uh, Austin. They have a number of locations. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I love most about them is they were open from 7am to 3pm every day. Mm -hmm. And that was by design. They would never stay open past three because their words, we want our people to explore their side hustle. We want oh, to give them the space wow. to do what they're really passionate about. So cool. And we want Love them to it. be happy to come to work as a result. And I think it was working really well. Well, in the pandemic, they opened up for dinner and they made a decision to stay open afterwards. They're not uh-huh. going to go back to the 3 p.m. thing. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you really, like, I get the financial decision there, mm-hmm. but you, you, you just, you just bit the bait. And yeah. now I don't. I can't say there's much to talk about. The food's great. It is good tacos, yeah. but they're missing a little piece of magic. And now I kind of wonder, well, what's the purpose really? Like what's really driving you ahead? Cause it used to be that understanding that people have a life outside of work and you want to support yeah. it now yeah. it's gone. Um, it's so a good opportunity t- to give Paul another shout out. Cause another broken egg, they absolutely ha- they kept those hours. Yeah. He yeah. stood strong on that. And again, yeah. so much respect for him yeah. um, and, and what he's doing over there at another yeah. broken egg. And yeah. uh, folks definitely listen to the episode that I did with him on fork tales and on <laughs> restaurant reinvented. Yeah. Um, Jen, how can people connect with you, the podcast and Q? Oh, it's all the easy, normal ways. So restaurants reinvented is on all the podcast channels. If you listen to podcasts, that means iTunes, you know, Apple podcasts, it's Spotify, you know, wherever you want to, you can even listen on our website, Q, which is our website is qbeyond.com. I'm going through a refresh. Don't judge me too much. <laughs> um, qbeyond.com. You'll find all our podcasts there. Um, for me, you know, I'm the normal, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, most days, not every day, but I'm on LinkedIn. You can always get me on email. And you know what I love the best is talking to people in person. Just freaking call me. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. You I don't hear that often. Calls. I love phone calls. You know, a lot of them go into spam if I'm not recognized, but you know, drop me an email. I am all about helping restaurants be successful. I love to eat. I love food. I'm a freaking foodie beyond, you know, and 
I don't want to lose the experience, not just the in-person experience, but the experience of I also want to be able to jump on my phone and order whatever I want to order fast and cheap. It's too expensive. Delivery is so expensive, you know, but I still, I want options. I'm a modern consumer. I want options. If you're in the food business today, you got to give options to your people. And I do not believe you need to be a technology company. I believe you should stay focused on your food and the experience and let people like you worry about your technology. And I'm not doing a sales pitch. That's right. (laughs) I'm just saying, whoever you go with, like, don't let that be your Achilles heel. Don't let that be the thing that slows you down. Because I don't want that to compromise when I come to your place and I don't have a smiling register person behind the register or whatever, you know, and a clean restaurant. So a hundred percent. Yeah. If you think I can, I can be of any service whatsoever, even connecting you with other people that have been on my podcast to learn from, please reach out to me, LinkedIn, email jkern at qbeyond.com. I love it. Definitely, definitely check out the podcast, subscribe, and please, people, spend the time to rate it. It helps us a lot. Uh, so that's Fork Tales and Restaurants Reinvented. And then definitely give Q oh, a I look. I don't do that's, that enough. I, don't, I know, I don't, me either. I don't promote that enough. I should. <laughs> I know. Like rating, subscribe. Yeah, do, yeah, do that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I always try to plug it, but it, it's a little cumbersome. But yeah. <laughs> For the record, it's qubeyond.com. Check them out. It's a great system. And uh, of course, if you, you can't tell it for this, great people. Jen, thanks for coming on and thanks for all of your insights. Thank you so much, Joseph. Always a pleasure and all my best to you. Cheers. If you love what we served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post-productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC. All rights reserved.